From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you're not alone. You may not know it, but support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through the friendly people at Church's Care. At Church's Care, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Church's Care helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's churchescare.com. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome everyone to Too Good To Be True, and thank you to the listeners. Are you ready for an intriguing show about the mysteries of the solar system? Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it. And based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names. We apologize. And neither of us have expertise in astronomy or astrophysics. If we misstate anything, we apologize. Today's subject is Mysteries of the Solar System, which is mostly based on a listener's suggestion. So here is a shout out to the listener. The suggestion was for the planet Saturn and some fascinating theories that go along with the history of that planet and our planet. Yes, I hope the listener considers themselves shouted out. Why didn't you think about a show on the solar system rather than the mysteries of the solar system? I started with the solar system and realized that there was too much to talk about in an hour. Regarding mysteries, nobody seems to know how Saturn got, got its rings. Also on the subject of Saturn, there is a theory that Saturn was once more important to the people of planet Earth than it is now. Otherwise, we don't have a good explanation for strange reported sightings on Mars. But we'll start with the Kuiper Cliff beyond the Kuiper Belt. Why the Kuiper Belt and Kuiper Cliff, and what are they? The Kuiper Belt and Kuiper Cliff are topical because the space probe New Horizons is currently sending back data from the Kuiper Belt. That is the same probe that sent back pictures of Pluto from the Kuiper Belt in 2015. The Kuiper Belt is an elliptical region of space around the sun with hundreds of thousands of icy bodies. These are known as Kuiper Belt objects. The Kuiper Cliff is a region of space beyond the Kuiper Belt where there aren't any objects. The next region of space beyond the, beyond the Kuiper Cliff is the Oort Cloud, which is a thick bubble of icy debris that surrounds the solar system. 
The Oort cloud is reported as containing billions of comets. So that's all very interesting to some people, but what is the mystery? I'll quote from the New Scientist website. Quote, if you travel out to the far edge of the solar system into the frigid waste beyond Pluto, you will see something strange. Suddenly, after passing through the Kuiper Belt, a region of space teeming with icy rocks, there's nothing. Astronomers call this boundary the Kuiper Cliff because the density of space rocks drops off so steeply. What caused it? The only answer seems to be a tenth planet. We're not talking about a Quewa or Sedna. This is a massive object as big as Earth or Mars that has swept the area clean of debris. The evidence for the existence of Planet X is compelling, says Alan Stern, an astronomer at the Southwest Research Institute in Boulder, Colorado. But although calculations show that, show that such a body could account for the Kuiper Cliff, no one has ever seen the fabled 10th planet, unquote. The, Kwe, the Kwawa and Sedna um, mentioned are dwarf planets like Pluto. We talked about a planet X in another episode, and apparently it didn't exist as Nubiru, but this would be another planet X. It sounds like a ninth planet X, as Pluto is now classified as a dwarf planet and no longer is the ninth planet. There are predictions of some astronomers that a new planet will be discovered fairly soon. Also predicted is that planet X will have about 10 times the mass of planet Earth. Well, there's no need to pick on Pluto, but why don't you mention some aspects of the Kuiper Belt and how it fits into the solar system? It's odd that the Kuiper Belt objects like Neptune and Uranus are mainly made of ice, but do not have the same type of orbits. The solar system was apparently formed from a disk of matter spinning around the sun. That is why the orbits of the eight planets all line up in the same plane. The asteroids are located between the inner four terrestrial planets and the outer four planets. The four terrestrial planets, including Mercury, Venus, Earth and Mars, are made primarily of rocks and metals. The four outer planets include the gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn, and the ice giants, Uranus and Neptune. Jupiter and Saturn, like the Sun, are primarily made out of hydrogen and helium. Uranus and Neptune consist of of heavier volatile substances like water, ammonia, and methane in the form of ice. The inner planets are made of heavier material because they are closer to the Sun, but Uranus and Neptune are further out than Saturn and Jupiter, but are made out of heavier material. That means that if later planets are furthest away from the Sun, then Jupiter and Saturn should be further away than Uranus and Neptune. The Kuiper Belt doesn't fit in with the assumption of lighter material further out, with objects largely being made of ice. Yeah, the orbits of the objects in the Kuiper Belt are not understood. Let's look at uh, the dwarf planet Pluto again. Like other planets in the Kuiper Belt, its orbit is inclined at an angle of about 17 degrees to the plane of orbits of the eight planets. Its orbit is also elliptical. During its 248 Earth years to orbit the Sun, part of its orbit is closer to the Sun than Neptune. Perhaps the New Horizons probe can shed some light on the orbits and also on the formation of the entire solar system. Why don't you talk about Mars and the mysteries associated with that planet? An interesting mystery is from Time magazine published in Febru on February the 6th, 1950. Astronomer Sunio Siki of the Osaka Observatory was keeping a close eye on the surface of Mars. I'll quote from the 1950 Time magazine article. Quote, about 4 a.m. on January the 16th, he saw a great gray cloud on the face of the red planet. It rose some 60 miles into the air, he estimated, and covered a roughly circular area about 900 miles in diameter. He watched it tensely for 30 minutes. Then clouds in the Earth's atmosphere cut off the view. When the, weather, when the weather finally cleared, the clouded side of Mars had turned away. Siki reported his observations to, a, to top astronomers in Tokyo, who hold him in high regard. It was no ordinary Martian cloud, he said, but must be the product of a terrific explosion, he added. He was not certain that the explosion could be of volcanic or origin, unquote. In the United States, when the location of Mars came into view, Dr. Gerald Kuiper of the McDonald Observatory, Fort Davis, Texas, 
denied that there was anything unusual. Dr. Kuiper was the astronomer that the Kuiper belt was named after. Here is a further quote from the same article. Quote, he thinks Seeky saw a cloud of ice crystals not uncommon when Mars is far away from the sun. The terrific explosion could not have been volcanic, he said, for Mars is a played out planet with no volcanic activity. That talk about a bomb, irresponsible, said Dr. Kuiper, unquote. Interesting that this type of subject matter ended up in a Time magazine. But just to prove that science marches on, at the time it was believed incorrectly that there were no volcanoes on Mars. As far as being a played out planet, it is no, known now that Mars has tectonic activity with many volcanoes, some much larger than volcanoes on Earth. There's, there's a lot of speculation that Mars could have once supported life and that Mars suffered a massive nuclear explosion. It's no secret that in the next 15 to 25 years, a manned space landing is planned for Mars. It will be interesting to find out what will be discovered. In the meantime, what is being learned about the planet and how life in some form may have been destroyed? NASA's MAVEN probe, launched in 2013 to study the Martian atmosphere, has provided an explanation. Here's a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, on November the 5th, 2015, NASA announced that data from MAVEN shows that the deterioration of Mars' atmosphere increases significantly during solar storms. That loss of atmosphere to space likely played a key role in Mars's gradual shift from its carbon dioxide-dominated atmosphere, which had kept Mars relatively warm, and allowed the planet to support liquid surface water to the cold, arid planet seen today. This shift took place between 4.2 and 3.7 billion years ago, unquote. So, no nuclear explosion then? Possibly or possibly not. I will quote from the website Digital Journal regarding an academic that has published in the scientific literature. Quote, a U.S. physicist claims evidence that an ancient Mars civilization was wiped out by nuclear bomb armed aliens. He warns that evidence of a past nuclear attack on, on Mars raises concerns about a similar attack on Earth. Dr. John Brandenburg, a plasma physicist, obtained his PhD from the University of California, Davis. He is an expert in propulsion technologies and a former consultant on space missile defense and directed energy weapons. He currently, currently conducts research work at Orbital Technologies in Madison, Wisconsin, unquote. The article continues. The site named Cydonia is the location of the formation on the surface of the planet spotted by orbital crafts, which looks like a human face on Mars, but which after closer examination has been dismissed as an incidental formation of dust dunes. The purported evidence for nuclear explosions includes the red color of the surface of Mars, which according to Dr. To Brandenburg, could be explained either by a naturally caused nuclear reaction or a nuclear device explosion which was scattered which scattered radioisotopes in the Martian environment. NASA spacecraft using gamma ray spectrometry spectrometry, I should say, detected the fallout of the purported nuclear explosion, including uranium and thorium on the surface of the red planet. Unquote. How long ago would have this happened? The article mentions 180 million years ago, but that was for what Dr. Brandenburg thought at the time was a natural nuclear disaster. I couldn't find anything on natural nuclear disasters, but I wonder if the asteroid belt were part of the picture, which is a wide band located between Mars and Jupiter. Asteroids can look like rocky debris. Were the asteroids created by a massive explosion? I don't think we know. Dr. Brandenburg also compared Xenon X-129 fallout measured by NASA's Mars Odyssey spacecraft with that produced at Chernobyl. Natural nuclear reactions occur in the sun with hydrogen being converted into helium during nuclear fusion at the core. Life on Earth would not exist without nuclear fusion. But as for the asteroids, all I could find out was that they were formed with, with the solar system 4.6 billion years ago. Their rocky angular appearance certainly suggests that they came from something that broke up. Aren't there all sorts of claims about features on Mars having extraterrestrial influences? 
it seems that there has always been some belief on in life on Mars. Growing up, there was a lot of cartoon shows with Martians, usually with antennas sprouting out of the Martian's head. There was even a 60s sitcom, My Favourite Martian. Well, we'll have to continue talking about the apparent shapes on Mars and more about the mysteries of the solar system. And don't forget to go like our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to Too Good To Be True. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about Mars. And Dad, you just talked about the 60s sitcom with Martians in it. So let's continue with not 60s sitcom shows, but more about Mars. So at Sidonia, the faces on Mars, as mentioned, have been explained as in incidental formations of dust. If there are almost infinite number of formations of dust, then some are going to look like recognizable objects on Earth. Besides space probes, aren't there Mars rovers going around the surface and taking pictures? Yes, NASA's veteran Mars rover Opportunity has been driving across the red planet's surface since 2012, but apparently its tires are getting beaten up by the rocky terrain. Curiosity follows two earlier rovers with the mission of determining whether Mars could, have, could ever have supported life. Curiosity found water and organic molecules in 2014. Methane in particular was reported as being present, not ruling out microbial life. I read that Curiosity found water in fine-grained soil in the Gale Crater, which was formed by a meteor strike about 3.5 billion years ago. There is about two pints of water to each cubic foot of soil, but chemically combined in minerals, so it's not freely accessible. After Opportunity had found water on Mars, the London Daily Mail published an article in September 2015 showing pictures of objects on the planet's surface. The list include the site of an apparent supervolcano in the Silo-Patera crater in the north of Mars, a, a pyramid about the size of a car, an extraterrestrial skeleton, a dark lady, which I couldn't visualize, a Mars henge, a rock formation, the form of a henge, as in Stonehenge, a Star Wars spaceship resembling a, the Star Destroyer, a spoon, and an alien scorpion. Some theorists claim that some of these objects are proof of former life on the planet. I think that you have to make up your own mind about whether the images mean anything. I think... Just by chance, uh, there could be a rock or dust formation that resembles a lawnmower somewhere on the surface. Well, I haven't seen any pictures of that, but the European Space Agency plans to land a rover on the surface of Mars in 2020, 
with the goal to search for signs of past life. This rover on Lake Curiosity will have microbe detecting equipment. I don't think that space agencies would be spending vast amounts of money on Mars rovers if there wasn't some belief that life at least existed on Mars at one time in one form or another. Why don't we change subjects to the outer planets and the listener's suggestion of Saturn theory and mythological archetypes? First, I think we need to explain what a mythological archetype is. A definition of references.com is as follows. An archetype is a character, theme, situation, or motif that represents a universal, symbolic, or shared pattern of human nature. Saturn theory is rather mind-blowing and suggests that the current configuration of planets around the Sun is fairly recent. But we should not be too surprised. We had the strange explanation for the formation of Venus in a previous show, during which the name of Emmanuel Velikovsky came up. Velikovsky is attributed to being the first to suggest the Saturn theory. I think you're just trying to shift us back to the subject of ancient civilizations again. We discussed Velikovsky in the show about ancient tablets from Sumer. I don't think that we're going to, to discuss ancient Sumer and Babylon in any detail. I think the idea is that different ancient civilizations, uh, unconnected across the planet, looked at the sky and came up with similar symbols or archetypes. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are on Earth, you will view the sky. Observing the sky in different parts of the world evidently provided beliefs with writings and symbols to support those beliefs. I think, though, we need a definition for Saturn theory. The website, the Veloskovsky Encyclopedia, has a simple definition. Quote, the Saturn theory, also Saturn modern model, Saturn myth, Saturn configuration is the idea based on comparative mythology that the Earth was once in closer proximity or even a satellite of the planet Saturn, which appeared like a sun. It has received criticism of both mythological and physical grounds, unquote. But ancient times were not long ago, only a few thousand years. Mankind had to reach a reasonably high level of civilization in order to start writing things down. But suggesting that the Earth once orbited the planet Saturn as a kind of sun is going to need some strong evidence to have any credibility. Making suggestions that there have been dramatic changes in the makeup of the solar system in fairly recent times could be upsetting to some people. I think that any long-held belief that is challenged can make anyone feel uncomfortable. Apparently, Saturn from Earth appeared fixed in the north with Venus and Mars set within its center, like two concentric orbs. On the same Velikovsky Encyclopedia website, there is the posting that the planet Saturn was designated as Shamash, or Sun, by the Assyrio-Babylonians. Continuing the content in the posting, the concept of a night sun, as well as a day sun, existed in ancient Babylonia. The Babylonian civilization started about 4,000 years ago and lasted approximately 1,500 years. Perhaps the fictional planet Tatooine from Star Wars with two suns was based on some actual research, or alternately was just an effect to make the scenery for the movie more extraterrestrial. Without connecting archetypes, symbols, or writings to different locations on Earth, then there's, a little, there's only a little basis for the Saturn theory. Author David Tolbert wrote the book The Saturn Myth in 1980. In the book, Tolbert uh, explained uh, basically about the symbols. And here is a quote from a uh, customer review. Quote, Tolbert's close textual and symbolic analysis reveals the fundamental themes of Saturn imagery and proves that all of them, including the cosmic ship, the island at the top of the world, the eye of heaven, and the revolving temple were based on celestial observations in the northern sky. In addition, he shows that how such diverse symbols as the cross, sun wheels, holy mountains, crowns of royalty, and sacred pillars grow out of ancient Saturn worship. Talbot contains that Saturn's appearance at the time was radically different from today and inspired man's leap in the civilization since many aspects of early civilization can be seen as conscious efforts to reenact or commemorate 
Saturn's organization of its celestial kingdom, unquote. The book is criticized for not explaining how Saturn became a small distant object in the sky from being visible like a sun. If I understand the quote correctly, when Queen Elizabeth puts on her crown, the crown is based on a symbol evolved from the ancient worship of Saturn. Yes, according to British author and broadcaster uh, David Icke, ancient symbolism only makes sense if Saturn was originally viewed from the Earth as a sun. Saturn was apparently known as the Old Sun or the Lord of the Rings. Saturn is often represented by the symbol of an eye, was apparently the sun god that was worshipped. Saturn was supposed to have a crescent-shaped luminescent, luminescence, making for more motives. Apparently, there are numerous examples of symbols that can be traced back to Saturn worship. David Icke in his books and videos goes into great detail about Saturn and, and ancient symbolism. Assuming that's all true, you would need to be something of an expert to figure out how Saturn or Earth or both planets did arrive at where they are now from where they once were. Moving relative positions of planets, including an outer planet gas giant with a powerful gravitational field, should have registered massive Earth changes that would have occurred in the recorded history of Earth. So this suggests to me that Saturn theory makes sense with the archetypes or symbols we see every day, but doesn't seem to make sense in terms of modern astrophysics. On the previous episode, when Velskoski's name came up, the psychic insight included that the planet Venus was once one of Jupiter's moons. The psychic insight also included that this event caused Earth changes at the time of the Minoan civilization, which ended about 3,000 years ago. Some academics claim that the Minoan civilization declined owing to climate change. That is now confusing because Jupiter is made of gases. So why wouldn't Venus have been vapored away by the heat of the sun? There is a conjecture that the outer planets have rocky cores. So it could be that Venus is a rocky core of a former, larger astral body. Back to Saturn, Emmanuel Velikovsky put forward the idea that Saturn exploded and that the planet Earth from being a satellite of Saturn, was expelled from orbit. This event, according to Velikovsky, triggered the great flood as described in the biblical account of Noah, while causing the creation of the Atlantic Ocean. The flood may have occurred about 4,500 years ago, but must have been before the start of the first great civilizations, including Sumer and Babylon. They weren't destroyed by flood. If Saturn exploded, would it still be made of hydrogen and helium? What other radical ideas did Emmanuel Velaskoski have? Besides the Earth, he believed that Mars had shifted position and had been much closer to Earth. Mars, as we discussed, has evidence supporting a massive nuclear explosion. Something massive must have happened to rearrange the planets. Velikovsky was a supporter of the electric universe or EU theory and thought it would ex- could explain the shifting of planets. Here's a quote from Wikipedia on the subject of the electric universe. Quote, Emmanuel Velikovsky, 1895 to 1979, was an enthusiastic early adopter of electric universe ideas, seeing, seeing in them a possible mechanism to explain this hypothesis of a violent rearranging of the solar system as recently as a few thousand years ago, and that Earth had previously been a satellite of Saturn. Velikovsky's influence still looms large and has become an integral part of the current EU dogma. EU figureheads Wallace Thornhill and David Tolbert are staunch support, supporters of Velikovsky's mythological-based fairy tales and often pay tribute to the enormous influence he has had on shaping their own far-fetched theories, unquote. Well, ouch, that's a bit unkind. But what exactly is the electric universe? Yes, it gets better. Here's another quote from the same Wikipedia article. Quote, electric universe EU is an umbrella term that covers various pseudoscientific cosmological ideas built around the claim that the formation existence of various features of the universe can be better explained by electricity and magnetism than by gravity alone. As a rule, EU is usually touted as an ether-based theory with numerous references to tall tales from mythology. 
However, the exact details and claims are ambiguous, lack mathematical formalism, and are often and often vary from one delusional crank to the next. Unquote. Well, I really don't think the author of the Wikipedia article really likes the idea of the electric universe. But it is interesting that the article implies that if you don't follow more accepted theory, then you must be some kind of nut. That's really not a productive way of making an argument, especially a scientific one. But, Dad, why don't we change topics a little bit? We have a few moments before the break here. Yeah, I'm not sure what topic you want to change to. We could mention the Facebook page again. But Yes, uh, let's go to a positive note about the Facebook page and how we love when people share their ideas. And we would love to hear any topic suggestions and for all the listeners to interact with us on there. So if you type in Too Good To Be True on Facebook, you can go like our Facebook page and interact with us. And we'll continue after this short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the electric universe, and Dad, you read a not very nice Wikipedia article. But why don't we talk about more about the universe and how it's made out of plasma? Yeah, um, in another Wiki- Wikipedia article entitled 99.999% Plasma, it is stated that the visible universe is 99.999% Plasma. That's plasma defined, uh, uh, sorry, that's plasma defined as an ionized gas. By definition, plasma is a gas with an electrical charge on its atoms or molecules. So 99.99% of the universe has an electrical charge from being plasma, the fourth state of matter. It all sounds pretty electrical to me. To be charged neutral, ions are accompanied by electrons. The flow of electrons provides electrical current. So by definition, 99.999% of the universe carries electrical charge. But let's just talk about gravity for a few moments. Understanding gravity is topical. The 2017 Nobel Prize for Physics went to three scientists for their work in detecting gravitational waves, consistent with gravity being very hard to detect. According to Wikipedia, uh, gravitation is by the far of the weakest of the four interactions, at least at the atomic scale, where electromagnetic interactions dominate. I will quote from the Thunderbolts Project website on a similar theme at a much larger scale. Uh, 
quote, today magnetic fields are detected everywhere, even in the empty depths of intergalactic space. Magnetic fields cannot exist without, a causative without causative electric currents. The naked electric force is 39 orders of magnitude, a thousand billion, 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 billion times stronger than gravity. The visible universe is con constituted almost entirely of electrically active plasma. In the 20th century, the pioneers of plasma science inspired a new school of investigation called plasma cosmology. Plasma cosmologists suggest that electricity is a primary force organizing spiral galaxies and the astonishing galactic clusters now seen in deep space, unquote. Going back to the theories of Velikovsky, here is another quote from the same article. Quote, the new discoveries also suggest that our early ancestors may have witnessed awe-inspiring electrical events in the heavens, the source of myths and symbols around the world, unquote. What is the connection between the electric universe and the Earth no longer being a satellite of Saturn? Well, my interpretation is that if gravitational theory is applied to the idea that the Earth left orbit from Saturn, then this event was probably impossible. But if there are other forces at work, then maybe it is possible. This is what I think Velikovsky was theorizing. The biggest strike against electric or, pla or, the, or the plasma universe is that there doesn't appear to be any math to explain observed behavior. It seems that there is a lot that is not understood, including why some people are so mean to other views. But changing the subject, we haven't yet found out how Saturn got its rings. Yes, all the outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune have rings. Saturn's can be easily seen, unlike the rings on, our, on the other planets. I'll quote from the website Space Answers. Quote, at the moment, no one is quite sure. Since their discovery by astronomer Galileo Galilei over 400 years ago in 1610, scientists have been trying to work out exactly how these magnificent rings came to be, the most extensive ring system that we know of, of around any planet. The rings are made up of ice and rock with billions of pieces ranging in size from a grain of sand to a house. The rings are hundreds of thousands of kilometers wide, but only a few tens to hundreds of meters thick. Exactly how they formed though remains somewhat of a mystery to scientists and astronomers." Unquote. In several sources, there is conjecture that the rings are made from moons that were destroyed. It sounds like nobody knows for sure, but the rings do look incredible. I think we have time for one more mystery of the solar system. There's another mystery that is really strange, and that is the tilt of the planet Uranus. Its spin axis is tilted by 98, 98 degrees. Essentially, it's spinning on its side. By comparison, Earth is tilted by approximately 23 and a half degrees. So how did Uranus end up spinning on its side? I will quote from the website space.com from an article from 2011. Quote, the standard planet formation theory assumes that Uranus, Neptune, and the cores of Jupiter and Saturn formed by accreting only small objects in a pro protoplanetary disk, says study leader Alexandre Morbidelli of the Observatoire de la Côte du Jour in East France in a statement. They should have suffered no giant collisions. The fact that Uranus was hit at least twice suggests that significant impacts were typical of the formation of giant planets, Morbidelli added, so the standard theory has to be revised, unquote. The word accreting means fusing together. If that is correct, there may have been massive interplanetary impacts in the history of the solar system. It seems that the various space probes that have gone out into the solar system have a lot of data to send back, and that our understanding of the solar system is probably going to change in upcoming years. The amazing thing to me is that it takes a manned mission to the moon or possibly a future manned mission to Mars to provide the drama to capture the public interest. The fact that Curiosity is roving around Mars sending fantastic pictures is, in my opinion, pretty dramatic. But now I'll ask the first question. Is there such a thing as Planet X that might travel between the Kuiper Belt and the Oort Cloud, resulting in no objects between them? There are other planets out there, but there is not one specifically called Planet X. So that is possible, but would not be one specific planet. The calculations must be correct other than suggesting that only one planet exists. 
Yes, there's a possibility, but with planets, there's also the uncertainty since things in space do not have the same rules as things down on Earth. Assuming these planets exist, are they larger than the, ma than the mass of planet Earth? Yes. Why are the ice giants Uranus and Neptune denser than the gas giants Jupiter and Saturn, even though they are further away from the Sun than Jupiter or Saturn? Basically just from the original composition. So the more dense ones were actually created first. The less dense planets were created later. So there was more material that packed the planet, making it more dense. So it's just when the planet was created. I will ask another similar question. Why aren't Jupiter and Saturn further away from the Sun than Uranus and Neptune, or the Kuiper Belt, or the Oort Cloud? Basically just from the time of creation. So a lot of the solar system is based on actually when things occurred. So the planets were made first, and then that's when the other planets were made. So it's not really about their composition as much of it as the actual time. Why are the orbits of the objects in the Kuiper belt elliptical and inclined about 17 degrees to those of the eight planets in the solar system? Basically, it just goes back again to creation. So it goes back to when the planets were actually made. So the thing is with the, with the planets and the different solar systems, each solar system is unique. So it's basically on the actual energy of creation of the planets and not really science does come into play, but it's not as really as scientific as some might think. So it's basically when the planets are made. It's more of a chance game than actual planning. So this is basically just how they ended up. So there is not really any math or much behind it, but more of this is how it happened when the planets were created. How were the asteroids formed? Was it due to some type of explosion or from larger bodies uh, disintegrating? So it really depends on the asteroids, but a lot of them are from larger bodies. So most of them are from some type of larger body. But that also means that an explosion could have happened. So it really depends on the specific asteroid to really know when the asteroid, where the asteroid comes from. One would really have to study the asteroid and see what material, what the material actually is. Did an actual planet explode or was made to explode to form some of the asteroids? So the thing is, is with the energy in the universe, some of the planets don't exactly explode, but instead the energy becomes too much and it's more of an implosion than an explosion. So it can occur. Both regards to your question about if someone or something made it explode, no, that really doesn't happen too often. Changing the subject to the planet Mars, was the observation made by astronomer Sunio Siki in 1950 a volcanic eruption, another type of explosion, or a cloud of ice crystals? That was a cloud of ice crystals. Was the deterioration of Mars's atmosphere due to solar storms? That was one factor, yes. Were there other factors? Basically, what happened was that you can think about it as there's not an endless supply of materials on a planet. So things are eventually going to change on the planet. So take Earth, for example. Even with the atmosphere on Earth, there's eventually going to be a change in the atmosphere, either good or bad. So this is the actual life cycle of a planet where things change because, because things down on the planet and around the planet change. So that's where the uncertainty comes in again, is that some of these changes are affected on what's actually under the atmosphere or outside the atmosphere. So a number of factors can affect it. Was there a nuclear explosion on Mars? There was a change in energy, but it was not a nuclear explosion. How long did the, did the change in energy occur? About one million years ago. Why does the surface of Mars have evidence of nuclear fallout? Because of the change of energy. So the nuclear fallout is energy, obviously. But Mars did not have a nuclear plant or using nuclear substances like people try to do on Earth. So if you think about it, the sun in a way can be compared to a nuclear explosion if you think in terms of energy and the movement of energy. So the same thing happened on Mars, just with different energy that created the different patterns on the surface. Was there ever life on Mars? It was possible there was life on Mars, 
but that is something that will need to be studied in depth in the future. But the thing with life on Mars is not to look just for water, but to look for other signs of life. Is there any primitive life on Mars, such as uh, microbial life currently? That is a possibility. If Mars has tectonic activity, why doesn't Mars have a magnetic field? Basically, the thing is that it is hard to study another planet since everything is compared to human concepts and what happens on Earth. So the thing with Mars is that it is similar to Earth, but there's also its own energy and own movement of the planet. So this tectonic energy movement is due to the different forces on the planet. So it's not magnetic energy, but a different type. Is the face on Mars at Cydonia just an incidental dust formation? Humans like to make familiar objects and shapes and recognizable symbols out of different forms. So sometimes humans do try to make more human-like things out of different forms. But with regards to this form, yes, there were shapes that, yes, did look like that. Was the face on Mars created? Was it just a pile of dust? Yes and no. So for it to look human-like, yes. But there was also changes in the actual surface of Mars. Is there a super volcano in the Silopatera crater in the north of Mars? You could call it that. You could call it a volcano. So technically, yes. I think we're coming up to a break, Justina. Yes, we'll have to continue going through the questions and the psychic insight after this short break. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations, yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and answering with the psychic insight. So, Dad, can you please continue on the questions? Sure. Is the pyramid object about the size of a car just a rock that just happens to resemble a pyramid? Yes and no. Can you say more about that? 
Familiar shapes are all over the universe. Do the following rocks or rock formations just resemble an extraterrestrial skeleton? That is a formation. A dark lady, which I couldn't visualize. Just a natural formation. A Mars henge, a rock formation, a form of a henge, like Stonehenge. That has more to it. It serves a natural purpose. A Star Wars spaceship resembling the Star Destroyer. Natural formation. A spoon. That is not completely natural, but obviously not man-made or anything like that. Alien scorpion. Natural formation. Changing the subject to the planet Saturn, was the Earth in its history closer to and a satellite of Saturn? Yes. That is an answer I found to be, uh, uh, or I find to be rather mind-blowing. Are there multiple ancient archetypes or symbols with many currently in plain view arising from ancient worship of Saturn? Yes. Why is there such a strong connection between so many archetypes and symbols and the planet Saturn? Because it was very important to Earth at one point. Is the fictional planet Tatooine in Star Wars with its two suns based on some actual research of the night sun and day sun as apparently recorded in ancient Babylonia? Yes. As suggested by Emmanuel Velikovsky, was the Earth expelled from Saturn's orbit causing the catastrophic event of the Great Flood and also creating the Atlantic Ocean? That's partially true. Was the Great Flood associated with the Earth moving away from Saturn? Yes. When did the Great Flood occur? Was it about 4,500 years ago? A little bit farther away than that, but that's close estimate. Did Mars change position as well about the same time? Yes, there were shifts of all the planets. If the visible universe is 99.999% plasma, is it not by definition an electric universe? Yes, and that's where energy comes into play in all shapes and forms. With atoms and molecules bound together by electromagnetic forces, isn't the universe already an electric universe as it is made up of atoms, molecules and ions? Yes. Why do some modern astrophysicists react so emotionally against the thought of an electric universe? Because the thought of energy and electricity is very foreign. So the thought that every object, planet, even the solar system has energy is not a mainstream science idea. So the thing is, with science, there's always new discoveries and new exploration. But there's always what is taught in the textbooks. So some astrophysicists and other people believe what is taught in the textbook and do not want to explore further. Well, some other scientists actually want to explore further and explore new concepts. So if you think about it, even a hundred years ago, a lot of the concepts would have been very foreign. Think of this example for some clarification. What about the people who thought that the earth was originally flat and then discovered the earth is actually round? But there are still some people today that believe the earth is actually flat and not round. So it really comes down to what you are taught and after you are taught something, what you base your beliefs on. Are there electromagnetic interactions between different bodies in the universe, or are electromagnetic interactions only over small distances? Yes, there are interactions. Everything is connected in a way. Were electromagnetic forces as created, created by the electric universe involved when Earth broke free of Saturn? Yes. Were Saturn's rings created by the remnants or debris for one or several moons that once orbited Saturn? And other space junk, yes. Is Uranus spinning on its side at an angle of 98 degrees due to being hit by other planetary objects, or is there another reason? There's another reason. Every planet is hit by objects, but the objects have to be big enough. So you can think about the planet as having basically an energy pull to one way, and it changed how the planet was actually sitting in space. What benefit is it to the solar system that Uranus spins on its side? There is really not a benefit. It is just how the planet is. Picture from a planet or picture from a planet, even if the camera is operated by robotics. Why does it take a manned moon landing or a possible future manned 
Mars landing to create public interest in space exploration. The Earth is already so large that the people are already overwhelmed by all the concepts on Earth. It's hard to think of anything outside of their own homes, nevertheless the whole universe. So with the whole space exploration, it takes curiosity to explore space and to actually have the interest in exploring and finding new things. So the interest is obviously there a few years ago when space exploration was a big concept. But once people actually got into space, some people's curiosity dwindled. So this actually really starts with children and having curious children in space and pursuing that throughout their life. So that goes back again to what you were taught and building your beliefs off of that for the human brain to actually comprehend how big space is, the planets and the universe. Why is it so disturbing that the planets in the past may have had different locations in the solar system? It really shouldn't be disturbing since everything changes. What can we learn from the evolution of the solar system not being taught as it might have occurred? To understand Earth and understand humans as a whole, it's also important to understand what's around the planet. So space exploration is actually a very big, very good concept. But the problem is that the different ways to get involved is hard. So different movies and interactions need to continue to be made, such as Star Wars, which puts space and this concept of space wars in different civilizations. And another lesson is to learn from all of this is that curiosity is what really drives people to actually go and perform actions and go on and explore. So if people are curious about Earth, just as if people are curious about the ocean, then there will be more exploration done. And another point to make here is that it is important to document all the different discoveries and exploration. And that's what a lot of ancient civilizations did was document it so that hopefully future civilizations would find it. So humans need to continue to do this. That was the final answer. Is the idea of planet Earth once orbiting Saturn in our electric universe too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Obviously, the Belm shows that the psychic insight related that the solar system changed at the time of the Great Flood into its current configuration. Also, to understand the universe, mankind has to understand both gravity and, uh, and electromagnetism, can't even say it, electromagnetism, both on a vast scale. As we often say, that was a lot of information to take in. It is hard to actually believe, but the Earth orbiting Saturn to have two sun-like objects in the sky, according to the psychic insight, is actually occurred. Also, many current archetypes or symbols came from that era. It is unfortunate that we didn't have more time to discuss them. The electric universe is a fascinating subject in itself. That could be the subject of another episode. All we need to know, it, all we seem to know that an improved understanding of electromagnetic behavior is needed to better understand Saturn theory, especially how the Earth escaped from Saturn. Perhaps there is a Nobel Prize of Physics in the future for, the work, for work on the electric universe. Let's switch gears and talk about Planet X. There apparently isn't a single planet traveling between the Kuiper Belt and the Oort Cloud. There are planets yet to be discovered. So that appears to be the end of the story for a single Planet X. Yeah, the creation of planets is interesting. Uranus and Neptune compared with Jupiter and Saturn only appear to be in the wrong, wrong order but because apparently not all the planets were created at the same time. That isn't really taken care of in that sort of spinning disk theory. Um, Uranus and Neptune created earlier with more dense, uh, were created with more dense material that was available. Well, it seems that the spinning disk of matter on the sun theory would appear to work if everything was actually created at the same time. Let's move on to the planet Mars. There's nothing strange about the objects in the various photographs except for a few things. The pyramid, the henge, and the spoon were, were not fully explained. For the pyramid, there are similar objects around the universe, and for the henge, it serves a natural purpose. Otherwise, the nuclear fallout on the surface is explained by an energy change. So, like Earth, Mars has its unexplained objects. However, the major energy change occurred on Mars about a million years ago, according to the Psychic Insight. 
it doesn't appear that any changes were due to some form of intelligent life exploding a bomb. There seems to be nothing sinister about the asteroids either. Well, this has been a very thought-provoking hour. But for other thought-provoking broadcasts, with or without psychic content, always go to xzbn.net and listen to the other shows, too. The most interesting, probably most controversial subject matter from today came from a listener's suggestion. Saturn theory, electric universe, all that stuff. So here's a final shout-out. Well, I have to admit, if Saturn theory wouldn't have been suggested, we probably wouldn't have had thought of an episode including it. But on that topic, if anyone else has a suggestion for another topic that we might not think of that you're interested in, you can go to our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, the first two spelled T-W-O, and you can go there, you can comment on our statuses, you can find our latest shows, and you can also message us if you have a suggestion. And we will give you a shout out, either anonymously like the shout out was, or we will use your name if you want us to. So we would love to hear from the listeners. And as always, thank you to all the listeners for listening and stay tuned for another show.